Thank you so much. You can uh, grab your seats. It is a great morning that we're having so far, isn't it? And I do want to give you a huge welcome to Icon Church. And we love to welcome people, especially if it's the first time you're at Icon. So come on, let's welcome everybody here at Icon for the first time. Now then, this is what I want you to do at the beginning of my message. I want you to think about a particular gift that you've received at Christmas at some point, maybe in the past, maybe when you were a child or more recently, something very memorable for whatever reason, good or bad. Just think about that gift and then turn to the person next to you, tell them what that gift was and what was memorable about it. I remember getting a Commodore 64. Does anyone remember what a Commodore 64 was? Before you had your PS5s, you had things like Commodore 64s, which was uh, many years ago. I was only young. But I do remember some of the gifts that I got my wife, Jane. Memorable gifts for her, I hope. Uh, One year, I did buy her an eternity ring. And I put it in a little box. And I put the little box inside a bigger box. And I put the bigger box inside an even bigger box. You know, the, the romantic things that you do when... Uh, your husband hopefully you do anyway but the one gift that I do remember she received once this gift actually made her cry I bought her a Nigella Lawson cooking pot (laughs) and it actually made her cry and not because she didn't like it or it's not one of those gifts where you know you give your wife a a vacuum cleaner or a, a sewing machine which I nearly got her once thankfully I didn't get her that but it was memorable and it brought a tear to her eye because she's a big fan of cooking and Nigella Lawson and all that. But, um, you know, we've been giving, giving gifts this morning. It's been great to do that. You know, what's buying gifts like for you this Christmas? Are you a last minute person? Have you, are you well prepared? Have you got everything already? Or are you going to go out last minute and get those last minute gifts? Hopefully you're not going to do that. But, you know, when we buy gifts... For people, people we love, we try very hard to get the presents uh, that they either want or need. And we don't always get that right, do we, unfortunately. But I want to tell you this morning about the greatest gift that you could ever receive. And you may not have opened this particular gift. Now, the greatest gift is God's gift to you. It's my title of my message this morning. It's God's gift to you. And it's the whole reason why we celebrate Christmas Jesus is God's gift to you. And I've come to tell that to some people, many people this morning. Yeah, come on. Jesus is God's gift to you. Now, the problem, of course, with many of the presents that we get for each other is that those gifts often end up in cupboards or in toy boxes, sometimes never even opened. Eventually, they get recycled or passed on to charity shops. But you know, the ultimate gift, the holy grail of Christmas giving is a gift that will last you know, a gift that will meet such a deep felt need, you know, and I really believe that, that we don't box it up and we don't put it to one side, but we really use that gift. And God says, I'm going to give you a gift just like that. I'm going to give you a gift that will last for a long time. In fact, it's going to last for eternity, forever. You know, maybe you have certain expectations about what you're going to find on Christmas morning under the tree. But if we can get past Uh, that to what Christmas is really all about. It truly, it can be the most wonderful time of the year. You know, the wise men, it says, brought gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh to Jesus on that first Christmas day. But the, the first Christmas gift was not the gift to a child. 
the first Christmas gift was the gift of a child. His name is Jesus. He was the gift that God gave to us. And Christmas at its best is a promise of something else, something that no holiday or experience or earthly thing can ever satisfy. In Galatians chapter four, verses four and five, it says this, but when the right time came, or just at the right time, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. God sent his very own son as a gift for us. And my prayer, my hope today is that you, if you've not received that gift already, that this morning you will receive that gift. You won't put it to one side. You won't uh, not, never use that gift, but you will open that gift. You'll receive the gift of Jesus. And I believe me, it will change and transform your life. In Isaiah chapter 9, which are our key verses this morning, in verses 6 and 7, it says this, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given and the government will be upon his shoulder and his name will be called wonderful counselor mighty God everlasting father prince of peace of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end you know as we look at this verse in verse six I want to point three things out to you this morning the first one is this we've already mentioned it first thing is this Jesus came as God's gift Jesus came as God's gift. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. It's given to you. God is giving you a gift. I don't know if you've ever thought of Jesus in that way or not. Certainly at Christmas time we, we may think that way. But do you realize that in the Bible, in the New Testament, over 40 times Jesus is called a gift. Jesus is called a gift. The Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians in chapter 9, verse 15, he says, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. I love that, an indescribable gift. And he's talking about Jesus. You know, we can't put into words how incredible the gift of Jesus is. I believe, you know, when we're in eternity in heaven, 10,000 years into eternity, we will still be learning about this gift. We will still be marveling at the magnitude of God's grace in giving us Jesus Christ as a gift, as a saviour. And yet as incredible as that gift is, still God, I believe, has expressed it in a way with such simplicity that every single human being can understand that God has given a gift. God has given us a gift in a simple terms, and I love that. And it's talked about in one of the, the most well-known verses, I think, in the Bible, probably the, the best known, the most quoted verse. And this verse is memorized by millions of people world, worldwide. You might have heard of this verse. It's John chapter 3, and verse 16. It says this, For God so loved the world. God so loved the world. He loves you. He loves me. He loves everyone who has ever lived or ever will live. God so loved the world that what? He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. There's a promise of eternal life for each and every one of you this morning as you receive the gift of Jesus. And Jesus is God's gift to you and to me. You know, as we continue to read this verse, we learn secondly, Jesus came to lift our burdens. Jesus came to lift our burdens. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. 
You know, that verse there is not only talking about the fact that Jesus is the ultimate king, that he's the king of kings, he's the Lord of lords. And as the words of the Apostle Paul put it in Philippians 2, he says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In other words, there's a day coming when everyone who has ever been born, ever lived, will bow down and acknowledge that Jesus is the Lord, that Jesus is the King of kings, that he reigns supreme. He reigns now, but he'll reign for eternity. He will reign over all things, all things. But you know, in Isaiah 9, it tells us that he will reign, yes. But in this passage, it tells us how he will reign, how he will reign. A couple of verses before verse 6 in verse 4, it says this, For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. He's the kind of king that doesn't lay a burden on people, but he lifts the burdens from people. Come on. He doesn't lay burdens on people. He lifts the burdens from people because he's a God who cares. I don't know what burdens you may be facing today that you may have carried into this place But I can tell you this, there's a God who cares about you. And he invites you to cast all your cares, all your burdens upon him because he does care for you. He's that kind of God. He's a carrying, burden-bearing God. I love that. And there's a third thing that this passage tells us about Jesus. Jesus came to meet our deepest needs. Jesus came to meet our deepest needs. God knew exactly what we needed. We needed a saviour. We needed a deliverer to deliver us from our own sin. That we would never be able to save ourselves to deliver ourselves. So God sent a gift. He sent Jesus. And in this verse, in Isaiah 9, verse 6, it gives us four names about just what Jesus is like. How Jesus meets our deepest needs. And he does it in four incredible ways. Let me read the verse to you again. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Let me take you through those four amazing names about Jesus this morning. First, his name is Wonderful Counselor. Wonderful Counselor. I love that word wonderful because it comes from the word wonder and that word is used or it can be translated as being amazing or surprising or inspiring. You know, when we think about what God has done for us through Jesus, his sacrifice, his love and grace, hopefully it produces in our hearts that sense of wonder that sense of worship, that we want to lift up the name of Jesus and thank him for all that he has done because we are so inspired and and full of wonder for him. We need to keep that sense of wonder for Jesus that we never lose it. Kids have wonder, especially at Christmas. I love when kids are about to receive a gift. We've seen that this morning. You know, they have that wonder, but sadly, as we get older, we can lose some of that wonder. And I want us to get it back in our lives today, to be in wonder of Jesus. Never lose that wonder for him. Keep at the heart of your life the wonder of Jesus and all he has done. But not just wonderful. It says he's wonderful counsellor, the wonderful counsellor. That word counsellor, when we read it in the English, I don't think we can fully grasp what it is saying there when we translate it from the original Hebrew into English. It doesn't quite grasp it. We might think of counsellors somewhere, someone we go to to get help or advice or in a particular moment in our lives when we need guidance. 
And we all could do with counsel from time to time. We all see the benefit of counsel. But what this is really saying is this, that Jesus is the source of wisdom itself. Jesus is the source of wisdom itself. I love this verse in John chapter 1, verse 14. In the Gospels, it says, So the Word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. John is writing about Jesus there, and Jesus is called the Word. And the word in the original Greek that uh, the New Testament was written in, the word is, is the word logos. It's where we get the word logic from. The Greeks believed that underneath all of the universe was a rationale, a, a logic, a reason for being. And they called it logos. And John has borrowed from that thought and says that Jesus, God's gift to you, he is wisdom personified. He's not the only one who helps us make sense of life, but he is the sense of life in every way. And he wants our lives to have purpose and and direction with him at the center. We can truly know a, a fulfilling life with his wisdom, his logic through the Logos, Jesus, the word of God. And Jesus said, build your lives upon my word, upon my wisdom, that he is the word in human form. Jesus said these words in Matthew 7. He said, therefore, anyone, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock, upon Jesus, his word. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down and the streams rose. The winds blew against and beat against the house and it fell with a great crash. Jesus is the wonderful counsellor, the one to build your lives upon, the one to put your trust in, your confidence, your faith in. He is a strong and sure foundation when the storms of life come and we all know and experience the storms of life. But I want to tell you this morning that Jesus is our wonderful counsellor. Build your life upon him. Build your life upon his words and you'll find that your lives stay strong and firm when the storms of life come. Secondly, it tells us that he is the mighty God, the mighty God. I love that. It literally means he is the warrior God, the champion of champions. He is the hero. He is the overcomer. He is the one who comes to rescue us. He is the one who is invincible. He comes to rescue people. He comes to rescue you. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Come on, he is the champion. He will never be defeated. Nothing is too hard for him. With him, all things are possible. God is the strength of my life. Who shall I fear? Jesus is the mighty God. Thirdly, it says this, he is the everlasting father, the everlasting father. I love this. It's an amazing way to describe his love for us. You know, whether we have known a good and godly father or not, the fact of the matter is we would know or understand what a good father should be. A good father would not be indifferent to you. He would be interested in you. A good father would understand your weakness and would love you anyway and would want to help you in any way he could. That a good father would not turn his back on you in your time of need. One of the things I've discovered is that people think that God has turned his back on them, that he doesn't want anything to do with them. 
In fact, there may be people here today, you're listening and seeing what is happening all around you, but you're feeling that maybe God doesn't want to have anything to do with you, that God loves somebody else more than he loves me. And that's often to do with the things that have gone on in our lives, decisions that we've made in the past. And you think that God couldn't possibly love me or want anything to do with me. But that's not how God is. He is the everlasting Father. He is the always interested God. And he's interested in you. You know, when I saw my kids struggling, they did from time to time, veering off the path as they do, and we've all done that, I didn't turn my back on them saying, you know, when you get your act together, I'll have something to do with you. No, when my kids were struggling, they didn't, didn't need less of me. They needed more of me. And I would draw close to them. And I'm not nearly as good a father as God is. Psalm 103 puts it like this. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. For he knows how weak we are. But he, and he remembers we're only dust. You see, God understands our frailty. He knows our weaknesses and he still loves us. He is the everlasting father, everlasting father. He's eternal. That word everlasting, he's eternal. Jesus is the alpha and omega, the beginning and the end. Jesus was and is and is to come. It reminds us that life on earth is temporary, yet we can know an everlasting Father, not just now, but for eternity. That's the promise of our everlasting Father. He will outlast any situation or circumstance you may be facing today. His promise is, I will never leave you or forsake you. He is the everlasting Father. And then it says, he is the Prince of Peace the Prince of Peace, or the Prince of Shalom, which is the Hebrew word. And again, we have a tendency in the way we understand it in our English language. We think of peace as the absence of of conflict. That time when everybody gets along, like at Christmas time, we all get along, don't we? (laughs) The absence of conflict. (laughs) But here in the Hebrew language, the whole concept of Shalom is, is not the absence of something, it's the presence of something. It's the presence of someone. It's the presence of Jesus. It's the presence of God's blessing. It's a life that's flourishing, a a bounty, a blessing that's relative to our spirit, relative to our minds, relative to our relationships, relative to our contentment or happiness. It includes the whole person. For when God blesses a person, it's not just spiritual, but it's every aspect of a person's life. And that's who Jesus is to us. He's the Prince of Peace. And he wants to come and fill your life so that you are content, you are happy. You do have God's blessing in your life. Not the absence of something, but the presence of someone in your life. He's the Prince of Peace. But it starts when you and I have a peace with God. And and that happens when we put our faith in him, our trust in him. And when we do that, I believe our sins are forgiven and a relationship with God is established that introduces to to his power into our lives, starting from the inside out, literally changes everything. And so in the words of Paul, again, in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I believe Jesus makes a person new from the inside out, radically changes their lives. There are many stories here in the room of people who have experienced just that. People who needed something to change the direction of their lives. 
but it's not something, it's someone. Jesus is the one, the one who is the Prince of Peace. The good news is that Jesus changes lives, transforms lives. It's what's known as the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And Romans 1.16, Paul said this, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. The power of Jesus, the good news of Jesus, it changes lives, it transforms lives. That's the power of the gospel. It makes people new, changes hearts and lives. But only God can do that. But it's a gift. It's a gift and it's God's gift to you. Jesus is God's gift to you. God doesn't force that gift on anyone. In fact, for any one of us to benefit from that gift, we have to receive it. We have to receive that gift to open that gift. Are you ready to receive Jesus today? For unto us, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Why don't we stand together in the room? My prayer today was that all of us in some way in the room this morning would receive Jesus, not just at Christmas time, but would we receive that gift that God has given to us now, but for, for the rest of our lives, that we won't put that box that present in a cupboard and put it away but it will open our hearts and our lives to the life that God has for us in Jesus that is my prayer